harakeke, a taonga species that was once one of the most important New Zealand exports, is once again finding an international market. This time, though, it's not as the rope-making material valued by sailors, but as the core material and a sustainable product to replace fibreglass and carbon fibre. As these materials fall out of favour amongst the aeronautical boat and car industries, Aotearoa is well-placed to cash in with this alternative, thanks largely to a young Kiwi entrepreneur, Ben Scales. The Cantabrian is only in his 20s, but as the CEO of Kiwi Fibre, is landing international contracts as the natural fibre composites industry takes off. The company's co-founder is fellow student William Murrell. Well, Ben is a finalist in the Momentum Student Entrepreneur category of the KiwiNet Research Commercialisation Awards. I really like the idea of sort of revitalising something, bringing something into a new context and seeing what the opportunity for it is. Um, so in around 2019, actually, uh, William and I met and we sort of bonded over both of our shared enthusiasm for making things and doing things and doing things better. And as a couple of 19 and 18 year olds at the time, we were we were never quite satisfied with things. We we're always looking to improve and tinker and innovate. And around that time, we learned about like composites and fiberglass and carbon fiber. I come from a background of um, like aircraft building um, and boat building and things like that. Um, it's what my family's sort of into. So I've always been familiar with like engineering materials and things like that. And studying product design with William at university, we learned about sort of new ways to do things and that was really awesome. And we learned about starting to use natural materials for, for starting to replace synthetic materials. And we saw that it's already in use and the likes of... Um, uh, Formula One, which is something I'm really into. Uh, the European Space Agency is starting to use natural fibres in different applications and just seeing it start to be used in different lights was was really awesome. It was really a really big motivational factor for us. So Harakeke then, did you directly go to that? I mean, it has been used in so many ways, you know, throughout our history. Did that yeah. feel like a natural plant to go to in terms of its inherent properties or did you experiment? Yeah, so Harakeke isn't actually the first fibre that we started playing with what it was. I thought it was just New Zealand flax at the time. Fun fact, Harakeke is not actually a flax. Biologically, it's a lily. It's in the lily family, not got no association with any flaxes. It's just what the Europeans called it when they came. But yeah, so we started with um, cabbage tree leaves. So one of our assignments was that we were looking into different waste streams. Um, and cabbage tree leaves were really interesting because like many people know, they can't go on the green bin. They break the machinery that um, is that processes uh, green waste. Um, so they've got to go on the red bin. And so they're quite an interesting waste stream. And, you know, everyone's run over with them that run over them with their lawnmower before. And we got we went, oh, these these things are strong. So we started playing with some of them and extracted some fiber from them. And that was around the same time as I knew that like McLaren and um, Audi and Porsche were starting to use natural fibres in their cars for different properties. And we started testing and looking into the properties of some of these fibres and we're like, this is amazing. Um, so we went down to a flax processing mill down far, deep in the South Island. And we went to the guy with a cabbage tree leaf and he's like, oh, you, you guys are crazy bastards. You're not going to be able to do this. And we're like, oh, watch us. So we learned about the Harakiki industry and it was New Zealand's biggest export um, before polyester was invented and sort of around the 40s and 50s onwards and that really destroyed the Harakiki industry 
So we thought, you know, how cool would it be to bring back an industry that um, had gone under because of the cost and properties of synthetics? And we started to understand that there was a bit of a misconception around natural materials being inferior, both property and um, like application wise. And so there's quite a bit of research out there that we've been able to apply to what we're doing to essentially get natural fibers up to scratch where they can replace um, synthetics in all sorts of different industries. How much processing is involved? You mentioned before just how tough, say, cabbage tree, and I have them in my place. They are impossible. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah to, they're everywhere, aren't they? <laughs> they really are. So, I mean, are you looking at, at waste material? Are you looking at planting harakeke uh, to sustain? I'm not sure how quickly it grows, actually, now I think about it. Yeah, so it grows from about um, seedling to like a fully mature plant, which is in harvestable state in around 12, 12 to 18 months. It's grown by a few entities in the um, skincare industry. So there's there's a few different um, components to the plant. There's the there's the leaf and there's, there's the seed. And the seed, um, which comes from the, from the flower and the um, gel and the seed and the oil, they all contribute to the, um, the skincare industry. And the fibre is just another one. So it's going to be a really profitable plant to grow commercially eventually. So we're working with farmers and iwi around the country to get it in riparian plantings, um, which will offer farmers an additional revenue stream from harvesting of this, which should, which is looking so far with our calculations that it will be quite profitable, which will be awesome for unproductive land and riparian plantings to offer farmers a revenue stream. I think that will be a really crucial thing for farmers, especially in this economy. Now, you've started concentrating on coming up with materials to replace carbon fibre and fibreglass. Fibreglass, I've always thought, is nasty stuff uh, when it breaks. Oh, horrible. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. nasty. And bad for the environment too, I imagine. So how does this work? How, how, how many processes are involved or how, how many steps involved in taking the, the raw plant, the leaves, and then creating this material that you're, you're now selling internationally? Yeah, so it's it's a really complicated and really simple process at the same time. So left over from what the industry was around 80 years ago, there's a lot of machinery sitting around gathering dust and gathering rust all over the country. So we've managed to essentially build, renovate, modify and scrape together enough machinery to be able to process um, the fibre to a point where its quality is consistent and its quality is high enough to be able to replace carbon fibre and fibreglass in a range of industries. We're targeting carbon fibre and fibreglass because it turns out that because of the reasons you mentioned before about it being firstly environmentally unfriendly and also just horrible to work with, that's one problem. And another problem behind it is that there are a lot of properties that synthetic materials like carbon fibre and fibreglass are actually really poor at. And those are properties which natural fibres stand out. So there's a few key problems with carbon fibre and fibreglass. They're not in, uh, radio transparent, which means that if you're using it for housings on computers, boats, aircraft, anything like that, you have issues with radio transparency of the material. So the, any um, radio frequency just bounces straight off those materials, which causes problems for many products, whereas natural fibres are completely radio transparent. Another really cool property is that the 
energy absorption properties of natural fibers are much better than synthetic. So because the natural fibers are hollow compared to um, fiber and fiberglass fibers themselves, natural fibers can absorb a lot more energy. So if you made a boat, for instance, out of carbon fiber, which many are, compared to natural fibers, you're going to have a much more comfortable ride in a natural fiber boat compared to a carbon fiber boat. And we've just finished a large proportion of our um, environmental uh, testing and life cycle analysis. And to produce our stuff is 85% less carbon footprint than the equivalent product from carbon fiber. What about durability? Turns out it's incredibly durable because it can absorb so much more energy without breaking essentially um, compared to synthetic alternatives. It's a really, really durable material. So carbon fiber, for instance, is so stiff compared to natural fibers. Stiffness sounds like a good thing, and in many applications, it is a great thing. But because carbon fiber is so stiff, if it breaks in one point, the entire part, the entire boat hull, the entire part that you've made out of that material is broken. Whereas with natural fibers, you can absorb a lot more energy um, without it breaking. So from a durability point of view, it's, it's really excellent. We're doing a lot of that testing currently, but early testing so far shows that it's quite promising. Do you believe that Harakeke has any particular properties that may give you an edge? Because I know you're really keen, even aerospace, I think you're keen to get into, and boats you mentioned before you love, mm-hmm. and cars. So there's lots of potential here. But what, what's your edge if you're going for um, funding or contracts overseas? What does this fibre, natural material, offer? Do you feel that perhaps some of the international ones, you know, the Northern Hemisphere ones, don't? In Europe, the natural fiber composite industry is booming, essentially, like it's one of the fastest growing industries in the world at the moment. The fibers that they primarily use are flax linen, like in your shirt, and hemp fiber, um, which everyone's familiar with. Those fibers are around a couple of inches long, whereas harakiki fibers are up to a meter long. The harakiki fiber is also literally double the tensile strength of any of these European fibers. And those things mean that the processability um, in terms of manufacturing and the material properties end up being so much better than European fibers. The only thing that those European fibers have on Harukiki and Aotearoa's fibers is the fact that they've got a couple of hundred years of development of making linen shirts, um, whereas Harukiki is much more underdeveloped. But with an absolute shoestring budget the last couple of years, we've been able to prove that harakiki fibre can be used in a wide range of manufacturing methods. Um, so that's essentially what we're going into the next couple of years, proving that it can be used in, in more and more industries, more and more processes, because we know it's better than the European fibres. What's the dream? I mean, I think you've, you've got so much going on because you've got Untouched World uh, as well, you know, the, the um, sustainable fashion brand that you're involved with. You've, you're studying still yes. at the university, so you've got all that to try and um, get underway and this that you clearly believe in and there's momentum, so you've got to go for it. But what's your dream for mm. Kiwi Fibre? That's an awesome question. So before we started any of this, we sat down and we're like, you know, what's our goals with the company? What do we want to see in the world? And what William and I decided or not decided, but more realized, is that we're not satisfied with how the world is and we're actively making the change that we want to see. So I could just stay at uni and do a master's and PhD in this if I wanted to, and I've been offered that, but I see startups and starting a business and disrupting industry as the most impactful way 
to make the change that I want to see and I think needs to happen in the world. So everything's made from synthetic materials, plastics, you hear it all around the, it's a huge problem. And I think if we start to look at the environment and the resources that the world can offer us, then we can start to have real impact. So changing the first industry, it's changing the materials industry and the composites industry is the first thing I'm going to do. And then I see that as a way into changing so many more industries and fixing the world, basically. I assume you've got a patent on this. Is it patentable? It is patentable. Um, it's something we're working through at the moment. Much of the process is Mataranga Māori, which is uh, intergenerational knowledge that's been passed down from generations to generations and has been passed down to us. So there's a lot of it that we can't patent, but a lot of the novel use cases um, are certainly patentable, and that's a process that we're going down over the next few months. I imagine a lot of people here will be going, how about um, jib board? <laughs> Has it got any, given the shortages that we have at the moment and the demand for it and the building boom, of course, which if yeah. you can tap into that is going to be fabulous. Uh, what about something like jib board? I mean, just how versatile, versatile could this material be if we, if we focus on building materials for a moment? Yes, yeah, so you could absolutely make building materials out of it. Um, one of our first uh, products that we're developing later in the year is a composite decking material. So lots of um, decking for like colder, wetter environments around pools, boats, jetties, all that sort of thing. Um, they're using fiberglass decking material, which is essentially fiberglass, which is white, with a brown dye to make it look like wood. And that doesn't quite make sense to me. Why don't, Why wouldn't you just use a real natural fibre? So that's, a, that's exactly what we're doing. Um, so we're making decking out of it. We're making a bunch of other building materials out of it. Jib board you could definitely do. Um, it's not something that I've done too much ideation on yet, but I might put it on the list. The list of things that we can make out of it is it's the best and the worst thing about the business. It means that there's all this opportunity, but where do you start? We're focusing on um, the geospatial engineering industry. So that's where our first few customers are. And that's because that industry fully utilizes all of the amazing benefits of the material. Yeah, so building material is definitely on the cards as well. I mean, after a flying start, these customers you're talking about, they are big players. Uh, but what about manufacturing, oh, yeah. Ben, if, to, to scale? Sorry, it's a bit of a pun on your name, really. But in terms of the scale <laughs> that you may need to achieve, do you feel that that this material will be processed overseas is so often the way, you know, we have all these raw materials, but then we ship them off for processing? Or is that just the reality of it? Or could you make it here? Could we really make it a manufacturing business? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question, actually. Because of the nature of the business and the impact that we are looking to have by revitalising the industry, we're starting in New Zealand. That's that's the grounding of, of it all. Um, we've got international customers, which is awesome, and that's validation for scale. New Zealand industry is quite interesting. There's not much that is built in New Zealand, unfortunately, which is which is a challenge, but it's also an amazing opportunity. So currently we're producing in New Zealand. Eventually, as we start to have more international customers, we'll have much of the early stage processing of the fibre um, into around a midpoint product. We'll do a lot of that in New Zealand. Um, because we've got, because why not? Like It's a lightweight material, it's a lightweight fibre. Shipping it across the world is not going to be the end of the world. Um, so eventually, as we have more and more international customers, we will likely set up 
quite a bit of manufacturing overseas, but that's much of the later stage manufacturing. So a lot of the earlier stage stuff will happen in New Zealand. I skipped one of my favourite parts of this story, Ben, which was uh, your first experiment, your and Williams, with a harakeke fibre skateboard that you made in the backyard. Oh, yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. Um, yeah, so quite early in the beginnings of the... When we, when we first established um, the fact that we wanted to create a company um, and use that to have the impact that we wanted to have on the world, um, we were like okay, well, no one believes us that we can make boats and spaceships and skateboards and all sorts of things out of this material. So we're going to prove that we can. So we, we set out um, and we're like, all right, first thing we're going to make is a skateboard. Um, and we had a budget of about $10. <laughs> so we bought, a, we bought an oven off Trade Me for $2. Uh, because I don't think the flatmates would have liked plastic to be melted in the oven. Um, so we went around the university, around all the 3D printers, and took um, like failed 3D prints. Um, so that's PLA uh, plastic that comes from um, cornstarch originally. So we took all of the waste plastic from 3D printers around the university, um, melted it first in the oven that we bought off Trade Me for $2, that didn't work very well because every time, well, because the oven was basically broken because it was $2. So then we tried the barbecue. <laughs> so we, we bought some cheap um, baking trays and melted the plastic in there. Um, and then we built a mold out of wood. We poured um, some fiber into that plastic and basically kneaded it like bread, um, pressed it into the mold, and which was the mold was in the shape of a skateboard. Um, and yeah, so then we melted it all in the barbecue, um, jacked up William's car, and put the um, mold underneath one of the one of the wheels, um, and then lowered the car down onto it. So we we built a a two ton jack out of a car and a jack. Um, so we pressed it that way, and then we had the foundations of a skateboard. So we went and cut it out and um, bolted some wheels on it and. We had a skateboard and it worked. Innovator Ben Scales, his company is called Kiwi Fibre. You'll be able to hear the full interview by searching for Ben Scales on the RNZ webpage in a few minutes. Question about using this material for surf and bodyboards. Uh, in fact, a skateboard was the first thing that he and William made. And uh, if you go and listen to the full interview, they'll tell you how they made it on a barbecue in their back lawn.